Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel Tenney, and here we learn all about plants, how they work, how to care for them, and it's all taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can listen to, understand, and enjoy. So I hope that you will join me in Plant School. Hello and welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today listening. Before we get into today's episode, I promised you guys two weeks ago that I was going to pick a giveaway winner. And like I've mentioned, we're doing this a little differently. I am picking people who have left reviews on Apple Podcasts. So for today's episode, the person who won is Heiner74. H-I-N-E-R 74, and they said, I don't get time to listen to many podcasts, but when I do, this is my favorite. Informative and not pretentious, I always learn new things. Thank you so much for leaving that sweet review, and thank you to everyone else who has been leaving reviews lately. I'm going to keep picking from reviews that have been recently left. If you would like to win a free plant as well as plant school merch like Heiner 74 just did, then go ahead and just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You do have to sign into an iTunes account in case you aren't already listening on Apple Podcasts. But if you do that, I will be able to shout you out during one of these episodes and send you some free stuff on your way. So Heiner74, if you are listening, please email me. My email is tinnyplants at gmail.com. Let me know your addresses and I will start working on getting all those free things to you, that free plant, free plant school merch, I will send it on its way. So today is the first day of December is when I'm publishing it. You may be listening to it later, but I want to, I kind of want to focus on a few Christmassy sort of episodes for the month of December. So today we're going to be learning about the Christmas tree. This is an episode rerun from last year, but I loved it so much. I learned so much from it that I wanted to give it attention for another year. And then I'm also going to be doing episodes like how to care for a Norfolk Island pine because those are really popular right now and poinsettias. So if you want to buy one or you've seen them at your store, rest assured you're going to know how to care for these once you've listened to those care guide episodes that are in the works for this month. So you can go ahead and buy one if you want to. I'm honestly debating if I should get a Norfolk Island pine because I think they are adorable. But I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that. And also, as I was getting ready to repost this episode that I did last year, I came across an interesting newspaper article about live trees or fake trees, which one is more environmentally friendly. I found it really interesting. They pointed out a lot of different things, but I loved what they ended on. And I just wanted to say it on here that whatever you choose, fake tree or live tree, it does not need to be a guilt-ridden decision. You can take joy in either one. Both have benefits and costs that come with it. 
So no matter what you choose, don't, don't feel like you're killing the planet. There are much bigger things to be tackled than a yearly holiday tree and how that affects the environment. Just, I just wanted to throw that in there so that you don't feel stressed after listening to this episode. But anyways, thank you guys for being here and listening. I'm going to go ahead and play the rerun of the history of Christmas trees and how to keep live ones alive for the holiday season. Welcome guys back to plant school. Today is episode 55. I thought it would be fun since we are getting close to Christmas to just do something easy, right? I wanted to do the history of the Christmas tree to really jump into everything there is to know and I did a lot of research and spent a lot of time diving into where they came from, where they are today, and some really cool facts about them. My first question that I had as I was diving into this episode was, when did we as humans decide to bring trees into our homes, put lights on them, and little balls of plastic or little balls of glass, right? How did, how did that start? And when I dove into this, it actually goes really far back, much farther than I had originally thought. So evergreen plants like Christmas trees, you know, they, they stay green in the winter. They have long held special meanings to humans. Not all, not all plants keep their greenness year round, but evergreens do. And so there's evidence that ancient people would hang evergreen boughs over their doors and their windows. And many people believed these evergreens would keep away witches, they would keep away ghosts, evil spirits, and even illness. So it was kind of like a little good luck symbol that people could have by having these evergreen boughs. And the winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year, and it's the longest night of the year for the northern hemisphere, usually falls on December 21st or 22nd. It has long been celebrated by mankind. So this kind of correlates with evergreen boughs because it reminded them that all of the green would return, the sun god was well and strong and summer was going to come back. So they would put out these evergreens to remind them of that, especially during winter solstice. Just some of the specifics, different cultures that I wanted to just give examples of this happening. Egyptians, they worshipped the god Ra, who would recover from illness and bring sun and warmth. So they would bring in palm rushes or palm leaves into their homes, and palm leaves actually symbolize the triumph of life over death, which is really fitting for winter time, you know, kind of that turn from winter to spring. Early Romans, they marked the solstice with a feast. They called it Saturnalia, and they would decorate their homes and their temples with evergreen boughs. In Northern Europe, the Druids and the ancient Celts would also use evergreen boughs on temples as symbols of everlasting life. And the Vikings in Scandinavia, they thought the evergreens were the special plant of the sun god, Baldur. And then also, just another last example that I'm going to give is that there were some pre-Christian pagans in Europe and they worshipped trees and they worshipped their deities within groves of trees. So as you can see from these very ancient cultures, evergreen trees or evergreen boughs meant a lot to them and they celebrated this a long time ago. 
what cultures, you know, decided to bring it the whole tree in, not just the boughs, but the entire tree. I just imagine, you know, it's kind of like when a, a kid brings a puppy home, did they just like yank in a whole tree? I don't know. I've brought pets home. My mom can attest to that. We've had many cats because I brought them home. So was this the case? Someone who loved trees just brought one in. When I looked into it, the most likely theory is that Christmas trees started with medieval plays. They had these plays, they celebrated the nativity, and they were linked to the story of creation, the nativity plays. This was because Christmas Eve was also considered the feast day of Adam and Eve. So they'd have a Garden of Eden in their place. It was very common and they would have a paradise tree is what they called it. And they would hang it with fruit and apples to represent the forbidden fruit. And they also had wafers in the tree to represent the Last Supper or the sacrament. Sadly, these plays were largely banned by the 16th century, so people decided to, because they loved these plays, they decided to bring in their own paradise trees into their homes, and they would put these trees, or maybe they would just bring in the boughs if they couldn't bring in the tree, and they would call them paradises. That's what they're historically called. And they would put apples on them. They would put red ornaments on them. So that's where that comes from. And those wafers that they would put in their paradise trees eventually moved to cookies, eventually moved to gingerbread that we now use today. In general, when you look into Christmas tree history, Germany is a huge part of it. They are actually credited with starting the Christmas tree tradition that we now know. And some experts think that it also may have come from Finland and spread to other parts of Europe. But there are even records all the way back to 1510 in Latvia and 1521 in Strasbourg that trees were used as symbols of Christmas. So we're talking, let's see, that's like over 500 years ago that this was going on, that people had trees that were linked to Christmas. And in the 16th century, there were devout Christians that would bring in decorated trees into their homes. Some would also build pyramids of wood, kind of like a, a wood pile, but they would decorate them with evergreen branches and candles if they couldn't bring a tree in. So there's a popular legend that Martin Luther, the 16th century Protestant reformer, I'm sure you guys have heard of him, was the first to add lighted candles to a tree. So the story goes that he was walking home, he was really inspired and awed by the brilliant stars shining in the evergreen trees as he was going home. So once he got home, he decided to recreate this scene for his family and he put up a tree in the main room and he wired on candles onto the branches to kind of recreate this scene. When I had read this, it just made me think of if this is true, which, you know, it, it's probably not. This is just a very popular legend, right? But this man by putting these candles into evergreen trees, can we, like, hold him responsible for household Christmas tree fires? Because that is, like, the first thing I thought. There are so many people who've had accidents because of putting candles in Christmas trees. And I actually looked this up. So, according to the NFPA, which is the National Fire Protection Association, in the U.S. alone, from 2007 to 2011, there were 230 fires caused by Christmas trees. And like, 
you think about it, we only keep Christmas trees up for a month, right? It's not a very long time we have these in our home. So the fact that there were 230 fires caused during this one month of the year, I feel like is pretty significant. And really sadly, these fires actually have led to six civilian deaths each year on average, which is really unfortunate. I don't think we can pin down Martin Luther Protestant reformer of the 16th century and say that he's responsible. But that aside, because of its supposed Lutheran origins, it was met with a lot of resistance, the idea of a Christmas tree with lights on it. And it was mostly met with resistance by the Catholics. It's really interesting to kind of think of that today because the first Christmas tree in the Vatican was put up in 1986. So really not all that long ago, especially when you think about how Martin Luther was around in the 16th century, supposedly putting up the modern Christmas tree with candlelight in it. This has all been happening mostly in Europe, right? So how did... I live in the U.S., so I'm wondering... How did the Christmas tree spread to America? Surprisingly, in the 19th century, many Americans found Christmas trees really odd. The first record of a Christmas tree on display was in the 1830s by the German settlers in Pennsylvania. There, there, like when I was researching this, there were other claims to the first Christmas tree. There was one in Windsor Locks, Connecticut, They claim that there was a Hessian soldier. He put up his own Christmas tree while he was imprisoned in 1777. So quite a few years from that original claim in the 1830s by those German settlers in Pennsylvania. But there's, I don't know, there's kind of some questions around who had the first Christmas tree in America. There's like not detailed records, right, of people saying, yeah, we put up a Christmas tree and we are the first ones. It, it was kind of an oddity to have it in the first place. So a man by the names of Charles Fallen is thought to be the first to introduce America to the custom of decorating your Christmas tree. There was also a German immigrant in Wooster, Ohio named August Imgard. He is said to be the first to popularize the practice of decorating a Christmas tree with candy canes. And then as late as the 1840s, the Christmas tree was kind of seen, as I mentioned before, as a pagan symbol, not really accepted by most Americans. Americans' disdain of Christmas trees partly probably came from our English ancestors, partly probably because of the Catholic resistance to it since it was seen as maybe a Protestant tradition. There's actually a prominent member of the 1600 Parliament. His name is Oliver Cromwell, and he preached against the heathen traditions of Christmas carols, of decorated trees, and any joyful expression of the sacred event that Christmas was. Oliver Cromwell, if you could come to the 20th century, (laughs) if we could just drop you down like a little like a little Sims character, you, I think you would be appalled by all the Christmas carols, the trees, and the joyful expressions going on today, because it is, I think, today seen as such a joyful thing. Maybe back in the 16th century, it was more of a solemn day. There wasn't a whole lot of the stuff we do today going on. In 1659, I thought this was really crazy. This is just to, like, show how opposed Americans 
might have been to Christmas trees. So there was a general court of Massachusetts. They enacted a law making any observance on December 25th, other than going to church service, punishable by law. So you could be fined for hanging decorations. And that included putting up a Christmas tree. So you can kind of see you know, this painted picture of why leading up into the 19th century, Americans weren't super familiar with Christmas trees. And like I said, the stern view was just there until the 16th century. And what started to kind of break into that was actually in 1846, Queen Victoria in England, she was sketched in the illustrated London News, standing with her children around a Christmas tree. So not very popular at this time, right? We're in 1846. And Queen Victoria was very popular. The people loved her. She was a very popular queen. And she was seen as very fashionable. So this image that was sketched, it spread very quickly. It spread to the fashion-conscious American society, mostly along, you know, the East Coast. And so Christmas trees started to appear first among the upper classes until it became more affordable and more attainable to other people throughout the years. That kind of leads me, that you know, that's kind of the history of the Christmas tree coming into today and how has it really developed since. So electricity arrived, of course, it brought Christmas lights. Edward H. Johnson, he was the vice president of the Edison Electric Light Company, and he created the very first known electrically illuminated tree at his home in 1882. So probably was still something not very common to even see a tree inside most American homes, and he brought the first one in that was electrically illuminated. And so with this Christmas tree's started to appear in town squares as time went on in the 19th century, and it it became an American tradition to have one in your home. And then also, I just had to throw this in, in the early 1960s, aluminum Christmas trees were very popular. I don't understand the draw, but you know what? I didn't live in that time. Maybe they they were more appealing then. Kind of on that same note of thinking of aluminum Christmas trees, are Christmas trees really sustainable? Like, live ones because in my mind I'm like well you know it seems more eco-friendly to use a reusable fake tree right my husband and I have one in our home we've used it for the past five years and we don't go chop one down isn't that more sustainable to just use this one that's fake and looking into it I was actually wrong in this way of thinking and I just want to kind of explain it to you guys because I thought it was really cool fake trees they are made from a product called PVC polyvinyl chloride. It's a type of plastic, but it's also a type of plastic that's very difficult to recycle. So for the most part, they kind of just sit in waste dumps. They don't really do much. They don't degrade very well. Christmas trees, when you think about it, the very large majority of them are not taken from forests. They are grown as crops, just like, you know, like corn like wheat. They are grown for the specific purpose to be harvested for Christmas. That's what these farmers are raising them for. And while these trees are growing, you know, they're not just taking up space, they're cleaning the air. They are stabilizing the soil. By that, I mean there's there's roots in the soil, keeping the soil there. It's not eroding and washing away anywhere else. And they are removing carbon from the air. And there's a really a lot of great benefits to having these big tree crops. And those that are taken 
from forests. Usually they are federal forest and they are strictly regulated by the U.S. Forest Service. I don't know if any of you out there have gone to cut down a tree of your own. It's a lot of fun. I've done it a few times and yeah, I can say that you know, they, they have like size requirements. They usually ask you to only choose a certain species of tree. They don't want you cutting down certain trees that may be endangered or anything like that. It's very strict regulations. They don't want any sort of deforestation going on. Another great reason to use real trees, they are biodegradable, obviously. Plastic trees, they just fill landfills, you know, they don't, they don't degrade. One of the other benefits of real Christmas trees, they are different ways you can recycle them at the end of the season, which I was not very familiar with. So many communities, they will offer free Christmas tree recycling. They will use those Christmas trees to make mulch, to make compost or wood chips from the trees. You can recycle it yourself if you really want to. You can use it for firewood. Put it in a mulch pile, let it kind of decompose from there. Pine needles and fir needles can actually help your soil be more alkaline. If that's something you need. I know along the east coast of the United States, your soil is acidic and making it more alkaline could be beneficial to you. Over here in the western United States where I live, not quite as beneficial because our, our soil is already very alkaline. That's because we don't get a lot of rain over here for the most part. You can also, I thought this was cool, you can put your Christmas tree into a pond and recycle it that way. It serves as a great refuge for fish and a source of food. And when I say this, I don't mean like go to your local fishing spot and chuck your Christmas tree into it. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please don't. I mean like if you have a private pond that you own, you can put your Christmas tree into it. Or if your neighbor does, you can ask them keyword ask them if you can do that then make sure you are not dumping them in public waters you can also burn your christmas tree and wood ash is really great to mix into your compost to make you know some really great soil going kind of back to how communities offer free christmas tree pickup or things like that some areas have curbside pickup or they'll have a drop-off recycling center. You kind of just have to check with your city government on their website or whatever, however you get your information from your city government. There are also nonprofit groups like Boy Scouts that will pick them up for a small fee. Not every Boy Scout group, what are they called? Tribe. They're not tribes. Anyways, let's move on. Boy Scouts could pick them up for a small fee. Or if you're an entrepreneur, you could probably go out and pick up lots of trees and just charge a small fee for picking up people's trees and taking them to a recycling center, right? So there you go, entrepreneur idea of the year. And moving on from recycling, so now you know that live trees are indeed best for the planet if you are interested in that, which I hope you are. Moving on from that, what is the best type of Christmas tree? Since this is a plant podcast, let's talk a little bit about what tree is used. So most commonly used species are fir trees, and this is because they do not shed their needles when they dry. I say that lightly. They probably shed some, not as many as other types of trees, and they retain a very good color and they have a great scent. So some of the very common fir trees used for Christmas time are the noble fir, the balsam fir, and the Douglas fir. Last question I have that we're going to go over are just some Christmas tree stats of today. 
these were really fun. I really loved these. I hope you guys love them as much as I did. So Christmas trees are actually grown in all 50 states. That includes Hawaii. That includes Alaska. You know, maybe some, not as much as others, right? The top producing states include Oregon, North Carolina, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Washington. So those are the top states that produce Christmas trees. There are actually 33 to 36 million Christmas trees produced in just America. That's not worldwide. That is just America. And in Europe, there are 50 to 60 million that are produced. So even more than here in America. There are about 1,500 Christmas tree farms in the U.S., which I just have to throw in. I don't think it's currently Taylor Swift's parents, but I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift's parents were once included in that number because all my pop culture videos that I've watched have told me that her parents were once Christmas tree farmers and she grew up on a Christmas tree farm. So any people who are Swifties, that was for you. That useless fact of information. Moving on, they can take as many as 15 years to grow to their typical height, so kind of a long growing time, but some other types of trees can take as little as four years. It just depends on the type of tree that you are growing. There are close to 350 million live Christmas trees currently growing at this very second just in the U.S. alone, so there is more than 350 million around the world, but that blows my mind in and of itself. And then going back to how to recycle them, there are 4,000 local Christmas tree recycling programs just in the U.S. So hopefully one of those 4,000 is close to you if you have a real Christmas tree and you can go recycle it yourself. Lastly, 80% of the artificial trees that are made in the world are manufactured in China. So way to go, China. You definitely have the majority of manufacturing trees, fake trees, right? Those, that was, <laughs> that was all of my facts that I came up with. Not, I didn't come up with them. What am I saying? I researched these guys. I, I looked them up. They're real facts. Oh my goodness. I just discredited myself. I'm telling the truth. Those were real facts. But I hope you guys have enjoyed learning about Christmas trees today, learning about their history and they come from, how to recycle them and why real trees are actually better than the reusable ones. Maybe I need to go switch in my reusable tree for a real one in the next years, all the years of my life. What am I saying? I got to get rid of my fake tree, guys, after doing this podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast and learning about Christmas trees, and I hope that you guys have a great Christmas. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to the Plant School podcast. I hope that you will join me for our next episode. And if you would like to support this podcast and keep it going, there's a link down in the show notes of this episode where you can donate to this podcast. And I really appreciate all that help. Or you can go to my merch store, which is also linked in the notes of this episode. And you can find some really cool plant-related shirts and stickers. And if you want to support the podcast but spend no money, feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review. All these things greatly help me out and allow me to keep doing this. Again, thank you so much for listening and for being here at the Plant School Podcast. Mm -hmm.